You know, I'm generally not a bearish guy. I'm generally an optimistic guy. But sometimes when I see trouble on the horizon, when I see things that may bring this market down and I have the data to back it up, I have to share it with you. And I have to show you what the right move is and what's going to happen on the markets. Because what I do see is I do see prices coming down and I need to show you what it means. And I need to show you what to do more importantly. So today's a different kind of show because as I said, usually I'm optimistic, but I have to show you something and then we're going to make some decisions together. And they're going to be some big decisions. So listen, get to class, sit down at your desks and let me know that you're present. Let's do this. Fuck out of bed, bitch, go. Daniel, I see you here present. Isabel, you're here present. Isaac, let me know if you're here. If you have, say present. MoGraph Studio, if you have, say present. Edwin, if you have, say present, present, present. Guys, we've got a big show today. As I said to you before, I'm generally an optimistic guy. I like to see this market. I'm usually the, the permeable, they call me in the office. But today, I'm going to show you a few reasons why this market may actually be coming down in the month of March and um, what we're going to need to do about it, what the buying levels are, when the market is going to come down, how much the market is going to go down. That's what we're talking about today. So very, very, very different show. You know that because generally when, when I do a show, it's bullish, it's optimistic. But today we have to talk about the reality of what could happen in the month of March because we finished the month of Feb. Um, and if you look at the month of Feb, we, we were positive. We had like a positive January. We finished the month of Feb positive also, but that's not a real positive. I mean, we finished it by one pube. I mean, that is really seriously, we 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 won, we finished it like by one pubic hair, we, we finished positive. And now we in March and everything rests on March. Now, traditionally, I want to say to you that March is not a good month for Bitcoin because if you look at Bitcoin since 2013 and you count the number of green months, it's only one, two, three, four. And then you count the number of red months, it's one, two, three, four, five, six. So generally, March is not a good month. And I think that, unfortunately, maybe, maybe, maybe this uh, March is not going to be different from other Marches. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Also today, listen, today, today is finally the day. We're going to give away the Rolexes. How it works, you have to go to our Discord, let's say three hours after the show. And there will be 10 account numbers from Bybit and 10 account numbers from BitGet dropped into the Discord. The first person to verify their account and to tell us that they are the winner of the Rolex. And you have to use the email that the, your, your exchange account is registered in is the winner. And we're going to give away both watches today because we said we're going to give them away by end of Feb. But as you know, I was, uh, I was ill for the last two days. I had a, a stomach virus. Um, the good news is that I'm back. The even better news is that, as you can see, I'm much closer to my goal weight because you're always only one stomach virus away from your goal weight, let me tell you. So I'm now, I'm down two kilos. I'm very close to my goal weight. 
So, I mean, there were good, there was good and there was bad out of the stomach bug. The bad, obviously, I wasn't here. The good is, well, you know, now I'm two kilos closer to my goal weight. All right, listen, let's do this. Um, if you're new to the channel, um, sorry that you had to join us on a day where, you know, usually we talk about bullish things and stuff like that. Um, but subscribe to the channel. I promise you it does get better. We are usually very bullish and we usually do bring you more alpha than any other channel. In fact, you know, even on a day like this, I want to take credit where credit is due. Do you remember I said to you the other day that um, there is a token, which is not really a token that's going to win the popularity contest, but I did tell you that we're showing extreme resiliency in a bad market. Do you remember that token? I remember we spoke about it. I told you guys, look at Flex. And the reason why I said to you guys, look at Flex, I said to you, you know, it's not going to win a popularity contest, but I did tell you that it was a good token and I think it would be resilient. And that continued to go up. It was actually at $1.90. So, so that was a good one. Also the BitGet token, which I did tell you guys to buy, also showing the, some signs of resiliency against a market which is, I guess, not so resilient. You know, why does it feel like my color is a bit blue? Do I look blue in the color? It's just me. Okay. You let me know if I... I'm not feeling blue. I'm feeling fine today. I'm feeling fine. All right, let's quickly go. Don't flex too much, people are saying. Present, present, present. Leanne, if you're here, say present. Uh, Irina, I haven't seen you in the chat. If you're here, say present. Uh, lady of... Uh, not Lady of Crypto. What's... Uh, Bantif, Bantigal. Bantigal. Where is Bantigal today? I don't see you in the chat. Please say present if you're here. She invited me to go visit her in Prague. I don't know if she told her husband though. I didn't tell my wife. Yeah, it's true. Um, all right, let's talk about the market. Let's get into let's get into where we're at. Let's take stock. Let me show you what these three things may be that may actually bring the market down. So, first of all, where are we? We always have to start off the, the discussion by saying, you know, where are we? We are at twenty three thousand two hundred and eighty six. This is like the bottom of the range that Bitcoin has been um, uh, in the last couple of days. You see, you, we're kind of trading in this twenty. 23 to 25,000 range. Um, and we're going up and down. Um, at the same time, the Dixie now broke. You can see the Dixie is now well in well back into that trend and now above the 105. We're going to be talking about that in a second. If you look at the bubbles, it's mainly just a sea of red. So we'll talk about why that's all happening. As I said to you, February, we were January, very good month for Bitcoin. February, not so good. March, well, everything hangs in the balance here. We, we're hoping it's going to be green. This show may show you why. March may actually be a red month. I don't know. We'll talk about that in a second. We'll make some decisions later. The main thing is that if you look at the sentiment right now in the market, people don't know. People don't know. You, like 35% of people said, Miles did a sentiment check. <clears throat> By the way, if you didn't watch Miles' show yesterday about chat, um, let me show you the show. Very, very, very good show. He, he did a show about chat GPT and how to use chat GPT to, to make a trading, make your own trading bot. Basically, anyone can do it, even me. So I'll show you. Um, let's quickly find, it was a video. So you, you, clicked on, you click on videos, you'll see that's the one. That's the one. Go and watch that show. That's, you'll, basically, you can build your own trading bot in, in a matter of 10 minutes. Anyway, so Miles, our man did a sentiment check around who's bullish and who's bearish. What you can see is about a third of the people don't know, about a third of the people are bullish and about a third of the people are bearish. Basically, what that shows you is that the market has no idea what's going on. And there's kind of like two ways to look at this market. What got me about this was 
Today, I looked at Travis Kling. Now, Travis Kling is a fund manager, but I think he lost most of his fund on FTX. And you can see he writes these summaries of what happened in the month of Feb. But if you look at the stuff that he's looking at, generally, he's looking at the bad things that have happened, which is probably indicative of, of his state of mind. You know, like, you know, like the, he calls it February highlights. But when I read this, I actually feel like it maybe it's February lowlights. It should have maybe written February lowlights, not highlights, because he says, U.S. regulators and enforcement agencies execute Operation Checkpoint, crack it, charged by the SEC for selling unregistered security. SEC files security fraud claim against Terraformer Labs. Um, New York de um, uh, de Department of Financial Services investigating Paxos over BUSD. He makes February look like a very, very, very bad month. But that's not what I saw. And I did see some other reports. And I just want to highlight some of the reports that I saw. So um, the, I mean, there is good and bad in these reports. So for the good, the BTC miner revenue increased by 4.3%, which is good because the more money the miners make, the more they secure the network, which is amazing. 84,885 ETH were burnt, which makes ETH, this is one of, one of the most deflationary month, um, months for ETH since the Shanghai upgrade, which is amazing because we believed that when, when the market goes up, and there's activity that ETH will become deflationary. And we burnt 100,000 ETH in, in, in Feb. In Feb also, we got a massive increase in the NFT sales, which was, which was amazing. So, you know, the NFT market was pretty dead. And this is what happened with the release of the Blur token. Um, sex volume, not my sex volume, but just general um, centralized exchange volumes increased by 11.4%. Personally, my sex decreased by about... Uh, 33%, I think, based on last month. Last month, it was three times. This month, it was two times. So basically, it's decreased by 33%. Um, that's my sex volume. Um, if my wife is watching the show, I'm dead. Um, so you can see that the month of, of February was quite an eventful month, and it just depends how you look at it, whether you look at it as a glass half full or whether you look at it as the glass half empty. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Let's not look back. We need to look forward now. We can learn from the past, but we can't change it. We can only look to the future now. So... Now we need to look about what's happening in March. And as I said to you, March historically hasn't been the best month for Bitcoin. It hasn't been as bad as September. If you look at like September, I think we should, you know, they say in stock markets, they say sell in May and go away. I think we should sell in August and go away in September because if you look at September, September is an absolute disaster zone for, for Bitcoin. So we should sell in, in, in September and go away. This show though is about March. And as I said to you, I'm not, I don't like doing this. I don't like bearish thumbnails. I don't, I don't like it because I'm generally, as you can see, I'm quite a positive guy. Um, but I do need to show you of three or four headwinds that are coming up for Bitcoin. And the problem is that it, the way that these headwinds have, have happened is, who's, hold on, my, my phone's making a noise. Um, the way that these headwinds have happened is that they've all come at the same time. Only 700 likes. Only 700 likes with 4,178 people here. No, I'm not doing this. You call me when there's 2,000 likes. <laughs> okay, smash the like button. Anyway, let, let's get into it. This is, guys, this is serious business. This is We're talking about the markets potentially going down in, in March. And I said to you, the thing about what's happening now is not that these things are happening. 
problem is it's that these things are happening. Yuri, thank you for liking. Thank you for liking. I really appreciate it. Thank you also for sending me pie because you gave me a stomach virus. So the problem is that these things are happening all at once. Had these events been um, uh, isolated events that weren't happening at the same time, I would have said something different. The problem is that we're getting, I would say, five events or four or five events that are happening all at once. And the problem is that they're all happening in the month of March. It's almost like, you know, like we can handle like, like one bullet or two bullets. Problem is when you shoot us with four bullets, the problem is it's like, ah, we're going to lose some blood along the way. So I want to show you what these events are happening. And then I want to show you what you need to do about them. And then we're going to talk about whether or not these events are, um, um, what do we need to do with our portfolio? But basically that's what the show is about. So let's start off with, with the first event. I mean, the first event is not actually as much of an event as it is a situation. And the situation specifically that I'm talking about is the macroeconomic markets. No surprise, right? Like, no surprise that I'm talking about the macroeconomic markets. The reason why I'm talking to you about macroeconomic markets is because things aren't going according to plan here. You remember that we had the inflation numbers. The inflation numbers were a little bit higher than expected. We had the unemployment numbers. Unemployment numbers were a little bit lower than expected. So more people have jobs and prices are, are, are still going up. And so we have CPI, PPI, and PCE all above expectations. We have unemployment, the lowest that it's been in 50 years. And so now what we're seeing is we're seeing a 30% chance of a 50 basis point rate hike in, in the next FOMC meeting which happens on the 22nd of March. It's not so long, it's, but it happens in March, as we said. So now, when you take that, that um, uh, uh, probability and then you overlay that against Fed speak, okay? So yesterday we had Kashkari coming out and he says, you know, he's open-minded about whether it's going to be a 25 or 50 basis point rate hike in March. I think what they're starting to do is to prepare us for the possibility of a 50 basis point rate hike in March. That's pretty much the way that I see it. Now, what's the problem here? I'll tell you what the problem is with these rate hikes. So when you look at the rate hikes and you say, we're going we're gonna to talk about Silvergate. We're going to talk about Silvergate plunging. It is part of my story today. We are watching it right here. It's down 46.27%. We're going to talk about that. It's also important for us today. So here's, this, here's the problem. The problem is that when you look at the um, the rate hikes. We're getting to a position now where if I look at the US one-year treasury yield, which is if you buy one-year US government debt, basically, instead of investing in the stock market, what you do is you buy one-year, you buy bonds, government bonds with a one-year maturity. So you're basically taking a bet on whether the US government will be solvent in one year. You are getting 5.08% return on those T-bills. Okay. So now as an investor, as an investor, you are now faced with a, with a choice. Should I put my money in the stock market, which is yielding less than 5% in dividends, or, or should I put my money into T-bills and earn 5% and not take any risk and except for the one risk that the government may go insolvent, which is not going to happen this year. Okay, may go, maybe happen in the future, but not this year. So what is the result? The result is that people are starting to think like this letter over here. So I want to show you this letter over here. Guys, the guy worded it very smartly. We should find this guy. We should get him to come work at Banter. He says, dear equities, 1 million in T-bills interest paid in February 2022, 6K. In 2023, 51K, 5.1%, basically. So that's what he's saying, best regards, cash. 
So he's saying, look, the return on cash, 5.1%, the return on T, the return on, on stock market, well, not so good. In fact, if you look at the 60-40 portfolio, okay, let's look at the 60-40 portfolio. Um, here we go. It's now down to 14% uh, from its all-time high. So it's not a good place to be. So why is this why is this not good for us? Because if they keep increasing interest rates, more money is going to move into risk-free assets, which is cash, T-bills, and stuff like that. They call that cash and cash equivalents. And that's not good for us. Now, we do have one potential, potential, potential saving grace on the horizon. What is this saving grace on the horizon? We have the inflation numbers. The CPI numbers are coming out on the 14th of March. We'll be here. We'll bring them to you live. If those CPI numbers go down miraculously all of a sudden, then what's going to happen here is that the 70-30 is going to go more towards the 70. Then we get a 25 basis point rate hike, and then everybody's happy. And then this fear is now out the window, and we only have to worry about all the other fears. Okay, so that's from a macro point of view. Macro is not big, but we needed to talk about it because I needed you to understand that the problem is when cash is writing letters like this to investors and to equities, right? When cash is saying, dear equities, 1 million in T-bills, interest paid 51, thanks for playing the game, best regards cash, that's the problem. That's that's not good. That's not good for, for risk markets. So let's hope that we, 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 we see a good inflation reading on the 14th of March, and then we all move on and everybody's happy and that, that reduces the macro risk. But then there are also three or maybe even four crypto-specific risks that are all like aeroplanes flying all onto the same, you know, into the same point, and they're all colliding in March. It looks like if I was air traffic control and I was maneuvering the next four aeroplanes that are coming onto this runway, and I saw that these were all landing on the runway, which is March, all at once, then I would just duck my head and leave the job and 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 I don't know, run away because. Four things are happening. Four things are happening all at once. So let's look at those four things. Let's see how they affect the markets. Let's see what we're going to do about it. Okay. So the first thing that is happening is, is, is this. So the first thing that's happening is we have Mount Gox. Okay. Mount Gox Bitcoin are coming to the market. Okay. Now, I want you to get the irony here. Remember, there are Mount Gox. In fact, let's talk about what the events are. The three events. The three events. Um are Shanghai upgrade for ETH happening in March, the, react, the Mount Gox distribution beginning in March, Voyager and Celsius constant selling pressure by the liquidators, and now you've got Silvergate with a big red candle. Look at this big, big red candle on Silvergate. So if you look at March, you have four aeroplanes all flying into crypto. What are they? One, the first airplane is Silvergate Bank. We'll talk about why that's so important to us. Even if you're not trading proactively in Silvergate Bank, I want to show you why this is a, uh, not a good thing for crypto. The second thing is you got the Voyager and Celsius liquidators selling Voyager and Celsius assets in March. Then you got the Shanghai upgrade happening in March. And then you've got the Mt. Gox distribution happening in March. Okay, now what... Kobe, you know Kobe, Kobe made a tweet the other day, not, a, not the other day, he made it on my birthday in 2022. So he made it on the 27th of August, 2022. He said they're going to release the Mt. Gox Bitcoins the same week they unlock the post-merge staked ETH. 
they just want to maximize the chaos. He says six to 12 months away, probably going to be funny. Don't trust anyone. What are we now? March, six months away, as he said, six to 12 months away, August, so it's September, October, November, December, January, February, March, seven months away. So he says six to 12 months away. Coincidentally, coincidentally, on the month of the Shanghai upgrade for ETH, they are unlocking probably the biggest Bitcoin unlock of all time. So let's quickly talk about the Bitcoin. You see, do you see what I'm saying? You've got two major events colliding in March. And then, not, then there's two other events, Celsius and, and, and Silvergate in March, which is not good. It's, they're all coming in March. But I'm going to show you that there is a good opportunity. I'm going to show you where the opportunity is. Okay, so, so let's look at what this Mt. Gox story is about. So for those of you who don't know, in 2014, Mt. Gox, the biggest exchange, uh, Bitcoin exchange, and probably the only real Bitcoin exchange at the time, was hacked and went into liquidation. Okay, so went into liquidation with a whole lot of Bitcoin, a lot of Bitcoin. In fact, if you look at it in today's valuations, it is $3.3 billion worth of Bitcoin. It was a hundred and was 202,000 Bitcoin, where a lot of them were sold to pay for liquidation cost. And today, they have 137,890 Bitcoin. So this liquidator has been holding these Bitcoin for a long time. And coincidentally, on the month of the East Shanghai upgrade, the liquidator makes an announcement that they're actually ready to start paying people out and that the repayments will start on the 10th of March and they will attempt to pay everybody out by the 30th of September. So what does that mean? Well, what it means is that you see these 140,000 Bitcoin that are sitting here, 137,890 Bitcoin, plus a whole lot of other assets, but this is the one that we're worried about. These coins have not been on the market. They have been impossible to sell, right? But now the liquidator is going to start paying these coins to the people that have claimed it, the creditors, the people that had coins on Mt. Gox. And so no matter which way you look at it, all of a sudden you're going to have 137,000 Bitcoin hitting the market now that have previously been locked up. It's like a big token unlock, so to speak, right? Now, they're not releasing them all at once. They're releasing them over six months. It's going to be a process. We, you can read a lot more about the process here. It says they'll be made in a mix of cash and crypto. Um, you know, and, and, and then the question becomes, well, how many of these people that receive Bitcoin are going to sell the Bitcoin? Now, some of you may say, well, probably not many. Others may say, well, you know, these guys... Um, these guys had their Bitcoin in 2014 when the price of Bitcoin was a couple of hundred dollars. Now Bitcoin is at $25,000. And now you're going to start getting these repayments from Mt. Gox. Now, what are you going to do with that money? In fact, let me show you something actually seriously, seriously interesting. If you look at the average creditor to Mt. Gox, okay, of which, by the way, there are 22,560 creditors, right? The average creditor is $900,000. So you can imagine that 22,000 people, 22,000 people are all of a sudden going to get a million dollars each worth of Bitcoin, $900,000 each worth of Bitcoin. Now, look, maybe some of them won't sell because maybe some of them believe that, you know, they've made so much money holding them. Maybe some of them don't care. But a lot of them will. A lot of them will sell some of their Bitcoin. So what we can expect is we can expect about $3 billion 
of selling pressure on the Bitcoin market, which wasn't there. And that is starting on the 10th of March. Now, just, I mean, let's look at, at some other points here. Let me just find you a whole lot of other points just so you can get some more, uh, some more clarity. So the first thing is we know that th there are 22,560 creditors. We know that the average claim is about $900,000. We know that there are some fiat claims, $4,000. Um, and the reason why there are fiat claims is because at the time, there were some people that had fiat in exchange and need to claim it. Now, remember, when these people deposited their money, this $900,000 was worth nothing because the price of Bitcoin was like under 500 bucks. But because the price of Bitcoin went up, they're going to get like a million dollars. It's like probably the best investment that they've ever been forced to have is to lock their Bitcoin on Mt. Gox. They should all write a letter of thank you to the liquidator to say, you know, thank you for taking your time because I only, you know, if, like if you had a guy, if you were a person who, let's say, had two Bitcoin on Mt. Gox, you would have had a thousand bucks on Mt. Gox. And now that's worth 45,000. Like you got to write the guy a thank you letter and say, thanks for delaying this. You forced me to save. And because you forced me to save, now I can, in, yeah, which I wish I would have invested in the Mt. Gox lockup scheme. Me too. Um, Okay, so that is um, the story here. Let's just see if there's anything that we that we that else that you need to know. So you don't need to know very much else. What you need to know is that these coins start to hit the market on the 10th of March, and they're going to continue to hit the market until September. And that means that you've got three billion dollars worth of Bitcoin hit in the market between March and September. That is sell pressure. Not everyone's going to sell. Like you know, some people. Let me just show you some examples. You know, Adam Back, who's got a lot of Bitcoin because he was one of the original Bitcoin developers, he says, you know, he says, well, for myself, I pretty much had written off the Bitcoin I still had on Mt. Gox in 2014 as a loss. So philosophically, anything I get back now is a bonus to cold store. That's what he said. But I mean, you know, I just imagine like imagine you weren't expecting something and all of a sudden you all of a sudden got a million dollars worth of Bitcoin. The first thing I do is I go buy a car then you know, maybe I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'll do with the money, but I'm saying you will spend. Bottom line is you will spend. So that is the first thing that's happening. Cool. You got that. Cool. Next thing that you need to know is happening is the big East Shanghai upgrade. So as Kobe said, the Mt. Gox coins are going to be released on Bitcoin the same month that you're getting the big East Shanghai upgrade. Now, let's talk about the East Shanghai upgrade and why it's such a big deal. Again, for those of you who haven't been with us for a long time, let me help you. Let me help you. So when ETH moved from proof of work to proof of stake. People were offered the opportunity to stake their, their, their ETH to be able to secure the network. This started about two years ago. So two years ago, they said you can stake your ETH and you can start using a reward. In order to stake ETH by yourself, you had to have 32 ETH to run one validator node. You have to have 32 ETH. And if you stake the ETH, you could not unstake them. So it's almost like you staked your ETH, you got a return, but you could not unstake it until one day they would release an, an upgrade called the Shanghai upgrade, and then you would be able to unstake your ETH. Okay, so that pretty, sounds pretty simple. When ETH moved from proof of, proof of work to proof of stake, they said, stake your ETH, help us validate the network, help us get that staked ETH. You'll earn a reward in ETH, you will earn, earn a reward in ETH, but you cannot unstake until the ETH Shanghai upgrade. Ladies and gentlemen, March 2023, here we are, we're going to get the ETH Shanghai upgrade. As a result of the East Shanghai upgrade, people are going to be able to unstake their Ethereum. Now, remember, there are two ways to stake your Ethereum. The first way is to stake it yourself. If you've got 32 ETH, you stake it yourself. 
and you earn you earn the return. For those people who don't have 32 ETH, you can go to the liquid staking platforms, which is platforms like Lido, like um, Staker, like Stakewise, like Rocket Pool, like Coinbase. And you can give them one or two ETH and you can stake them. And in return, they give you a derivative, like a, a another token, which is like a token which was called STETH or CBETH or CETH or whatever it is, which says, hey, I've got a staked ETH in the contract and here's my, my proof to show that I have and you can trade that. Now, so there's two types of staking. One is you staked yourself. Two is you would have staked through these stake staking pools, what they call staking pools. Now, if you stake through the staking pools, you got a liquid ETH back. You got a, a derivative back, in which case, chances are you're not going to rush to sell your ETH. But if you staked ETH alone, not through one of these derivative pools or, or LSDs or liquid staking protocols, if you staked yourself, for the first time in two years, you're going to be you're going to be able to unstake your Ethereum. Okay, so that means that there'll be a whole lot of Ethereum which have been locked up for two years, which are now going to become unlocked up. And when that happens, what does that mean? It means that some of it may be sold into the market. So how much ETH is there? Well, one of our guys went and checked it out. He said, look, in the ETH2 validator pools, there's 7,772,000 ETH. Self-staked ETH is 9,676,000. So 55% of the ETH are staked through validators, but through themselves. And 45% are staked through the ETH2 validator pools. These 9,676,000 ETH have been staked there for two years or part thereof. And chances are when they become unstaked, some of them are going to come back on the market. Now, there's a whole lot of speculation as to how many of them are going to come back onto the market. And so we've looked at a few data points. The first data point that I've looked at here is to see how many of these ETH are in profit and how many of these ETH are in loss. If you see here, all these here are in profit and all these here in the red are in loss. Now, why is that important? Because generally, if you're in a loss, you're not going to sell unless you really need to sell. If you're in a profit, you're more likely to sell because you're saying, hey, well, let me sell. I've made a profit, right? So you see, these are in loss. These are in profit. These are in break even. That's where we're at. Now, there's a lot of speculation about how many will be sold. So, you know, I've read some articles. Currently, 60% of the ETH staked is at a loss, representing 10.3 million ETH. The largest staking pool, Lido, holds almost 30% of all staked ETH at an average loss of nearly $1,000. A staked ETH has an average loss of 24%. Typically, selling pressure arises when participants have made extreme profits, which is not the case for the currently staked ETH. So what they're saying is, hold on a second. The staked ETH won't hit the market because because they at a loss. I think that's wrong. I'm going to make it very simple. There are 18 million ETH, 17,774,000 ETH, valued at $30 billion, $29,624,000,000, which, which currently are illiquid and are about to become liquid and sellable on the market. At the same time that that's happening, the Mt. Gox coins are being released. Coincidence? Something tells me not. Anyway, what there is good news here. There is good news here. The people, the people that unstake these 10 million ETH, the people that were delegating themselves, were validating themselves, may unstake here 
and then go and deposit their tokens into places like Lido, into Rocket Pool, into Stakewise, into all of these staking protocols. And that may drive up the price and the amount staked in these protocols. So one opportunity, one sell always brings another opportunity. In this case, people will take these 9 million ETH and say, why should I delicate, why should I um, uh, validate myself when I can just give it to Lido and Lido can validate it for me? And they give me a liquid staking derivative, which is a, a token that represents my ETH in the contract, which I can then use for DeFi and whatever else. So that is the second plane. The first plane, imagine landing on our runway called March. The first plane, Mount Gox, second plane, East Shanghai upgrade, all happening at the same time to cause a collision and maybe an opportunity for us to buy. I'm going to talk to you. We're going to talk about that in a second because there's also certain things that you have to buy. You can't buy anything. You have to buy a whole lot of other things. All right. So that's the second thing that's happening. The third thing that, as I mentioned to you, that's happening is I like the fact that Joby says this is the best show on the interwebs, even when it's a bearish show. You see, it's important that we bring both sides of the coin to our community. Um, so then you're getting the Voyager liquidator and the Celsius liquidator all starting to sell coins at the same time. And they're being quite aggressive. You can see the, the Voyager liquidator is picking up pace on ETH and other liquidations. Um, looks like other liquidators might be busy too. They're doing this to A, refund consumers, but also to pay their, their liquidation fees. So that's another thing that is happening in March, which is a whole lot of, of selling pressure on the way down. And then lastly, the other plane, which... I mean, we all thought it was a small plane and it was never going to crash, but now it's not It's not going to make the runway, I don't think. And that's Silvergate Bank, you see? So Silvergate Bank is down 44.5% today. It is down from its high in November of $240. It's now at $7. So it's basically trading like a shitcoin. It's trading like a shitcoin. I think it's 97% down. Let's quickly look at that. 97% down, trading like a shitcoin. Why? What's wrong with Silvergate Bank? So their woes started long time ago, but actually yesterday, where they said um, that the company uh, the company couldn't file its 10K filing, which is its results filing. Uh, and it and they said in the in the, the 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 document, which I'll show you in a second, they said um, it could result in the company and the bank being less than well capitalized, investigations from banking regulators, congressional inquiries, and US Department of Justice are also ongoing at the same time. Then this morning, before the market opened, Coinbase said, in light of the recent developments and out of an abundance of caution, we are no longer accepting or initiating payments to or from Silvergate Bank. So Coinbase drops them as their bank. And a lot of people are saying that right now, they've admitted in this filing that they are not as well capitalized as they should be, which is a problem. So now, this might come as a surprise to a lot of you, but it's not actually a surprise. I'll show you why. I saw this on the Bloomberg terminal. I did see that the most shorted crypto stock in the United States was Silvergate. And 81% of the shares available for trading were actually sold short. There might be an opportunity here because if 81% of the shares are short and there is any hope of a recovery here, any hope of a recovery here, then you're going to get a huge short squeeze because the shorts are going to get squeezed out. So I'm not telling you to buy it. I'm saying watch this, this token because... If you think that it's not game over for Silvergate Bank, then this is the best buying opportunity of your life because 81% of the shares are short, which are going to need to cover. But they have to survive because if they don't survive, then they go into liquidation. You don't have to short cover. You don't have to cover your shorts. So I, I did read that. You don't actually have to cover your shorts if they go into liquidation. So 
here's the story. There's two camps here. The first camp is Citadel, who owns a 5.5% stake in, 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 in Silvergate Bank. The second one is BlackRock, which I think they said they own about 7%. Joe, is it 7? 7.2%. 7.2% of, 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 of Silvergate Bank. On the other side, so that's the one side. You've got to choose which side of the fence do you want to be on. You can't sit on the fence. You've got to be on one side of the fence. Do you want to be in the camp with Citadel, Ken Griffin from Citadel, and with um, uh, 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 BlackRock? Or do you want to sit on the other side of the fence with people like George Soros, who disclosed that he's shorting Silvergate Bank, and Mark Cohodes, who also said he's shorting Silvergate Bank. So now, choose whose side of the fence you're on. If you take the Ken Griffin side and the George Soros and the, um, the BlackRock side, and 81% of the shares are shorts, you could get a massive short squeeze here. But if the other guys are right, then maybe this thing never, ever recovers. Anyway, regardless, right now, it doesn't look to be very good for Silvergate. Why is this important to us? Why is this one of the airplanes that, that's flying into, into each other? Remember I said, it's not whether or not you're trading Silvergate shares, I don't really care, but it's not good for crypto because it's the fourth airplane flying onto the runway. What is that fourth airplane? Silvergate is the bank that most of the exchanges use to, to conduct their crypto transactions. So you can see that FTX use them, Coinbase use them, not anymore. Gone, gone, circle, bitstamp. And they have this thing called Silvergate Exchange Network, which is a network that exchanges can use to transfer money across each other when the banks are even closed, right? Now, when this goes down, as Adam Cochran said, he said, Silvergate's death spiral is going to be rough for crypto. I don't think retail investors realize how much market maker money moved around Sen very quickly and how many crypto exchanges were banking with them. And so now one of the big cogs in the wheel, one of the big cogs in the, in, in the crypto wheel that most exchanges use, which is a regulated bank, might, might be in big trouble. Might be in big trouble. I am going to buy some Silvergate after this. Um, if my bank is open when I'm finished dealing with you guys. Um, because I, I think that it's worth a punt. But I'm also a degen, so don't do what I do. And if you're going to do what I do, just wait for me to finish the show so you don't drive the price up. All right, so that is the four things that are happening. Now, the, you know, as I said to you, what do we do now? Do we panic? Do we expect the market crash? Do we expect Bitcoin to go below the all-time high? That's the big question. And what we're going to do now is we're going to basically look at what do we do right now. And in order to understand what we do right now, what we have to do is we have to ask a few questions. The first question we have to ask is, how much of this is already priced into the market? Because the Mt. Gox news is not new news. The East Shanghai upgrade is not new news. The Celsius and Voyager liquidators that we're going to sell are not new news. So... The question is, how much of this is not priced into the market? Now, I'm going to go in on a limb and say, this is not all priced into the market. No matter how much you think of this, this is priced into the market, I don't think that this is all priced into the market. Okay, so that's the first question you have to ask. The next question is the more important question. Okay, this, listen to this, because this is, this is where it all changes. Ask yourself a question. How many of the events that I've spoken about today of bad fundamentally for crypto and how many of these events are short-term things 
that are just liquidity events that are happening right now. So let's quickly go through the four things. Mount Gox, East Shanghai upgrade, Voyager and Celsius selling, and Silvergate Bank going down. But the big two, the big two events are the ones that we're really scared of, which is the Mount Gox and the Shanghai upgrade, because the, the quantum of those is just so big. So ask yourself a question. How many of these are fundamentally bad for crypto? And how many of them are just liquidity events or short-term liquidity events? When I say short-term, three, six months pressure on the market versus something that is fundamentally broken about crypto. And the answer here is, well, nothing is fundamental here about Mt. Gox. It's a historical event. ETH Shanghai upgrade is a fundamentally very good upgrade because it will get more people to stake ETH because they can unstake them, which they weren't able to do it before. So again, it's just a short-term overhang of liquidity. And then the other two events, well, Celsius, Voyager, those are historical, and Silvergate. Silvergate is fundamentally not good for crypto, but that gap will be filled by some other banks like Signature Bank, which is what Coinbase already announced. Okay. So what am I saying to you? Well, if you fundamentally believe in this industry and you see short-term liquidity, enhanced liquidations bringing down the price because of things that happened historically that are not fundamentally wrong for crypto, what do you do? You buy the dip. Of course, that's what you do. Like Beth says, you buy the dip. And that's why I think that this may be a once in a lifetime opportunity where you're getting the Mount Gox plane and you're getting the East Shanghai plane happening at the same time. In, and both of those are not fundamentally bad for crypto. Both of those don't change the future of crypto. Both of them one of them does, it makes the future way more rosy for crypto. The other one is an event that happened nine years ago. And those two events are bringing us a whole lot of liquidity into the market. So when that happens, what do you do? For the next six months, while this market is getting hit by the East Shanghai unlocks, which by the way, don't happen immediately. They don't happen immediately. There's a whole unlock schedule, etc., etc. While that's happening, and while over the next six months, over the next six months, the Mt. Gox creditors are releasing 130,000 Bitcoin into the market, you buy like motherfuckers if you believe in this industry. Because I don't know when you're going to get another opportunity where two planes are colliding, and instead of bringing petrol or gas, they're basically dropping opportunity at you. You got to stand there with your bucket and you got to catch the opportunity like this and say, just rain on me, baby, rain on me and just absorb as much of this rain as you possibly can. Because when the sun comes out, it's going to get hot pretty quickly, people. It's going to get hot pretty quickly out there. You got it? You understand what we need to do? You understand why we need to do it? That's more importantly why we need to do it. Don't be like the other people and get caught out by the FUD. When the FUD hits, you know why the fight is there. You know. You say, hold on a second. I know that this is short-term liquidity issues. I'm not here for the next six months. I'm here for the next couple of years. These Bitcoin are going to get absorbed. Even some of them are going to be absorbed by me and by you. These ETH are going to be absorbed by me and you. And six months later, when the rain stops and everybody wants more water, our buckets are going to be full. That's what we're going to be doing in the next six months.
And that's why if the market does start coming down now and it comes down for these reasons, for these reasons, if it comes down for other reasons, we'll talk again. But if it comes down for these reasons, then we are going to be there with our buckets and catching the rain from the airplanes that are coming. You got it. That's what we're going to be doing. Cool. Let's see if there's anything else. I know you got it. Shari, I know you got it. Joby, I know you got it. Mike, I know you got it. Let it rain, people. Just, just tell me in the comments. Let it rain, people. Let it rain. We need to let it rain. Just let it rain. If you agree in the comments right now, just say, let it rain. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the rain. I'm waiting. I'm ready and I'm waiting. We're going, you know, like most people, when they walk with an umbrella, they walk with an umbrella like this. We turn the umbrella upside down to catch the rain. We don't want the rain to fall off. Turn it upside down to catch the rain. That's what we're doing. All right. So let it rain. Let it rain. Let it rain. All right. Now, let's talk about some other news. Um, the, uh, uh, pff, what an idiot. Okay. Gary Gensler. You know, he's got this thing about crypto and that, whatever else. So I read this article from a lawyer who says, Gary Gensler has proclaimed that every cryptocurrency except Bitcoin is an unregistered security. So now he needs to recuse himself from voting on any enforcement case that raises that issue since he has prejudged the outcome. You get it? So because he's said that everything that is not Bitcoin is a security, he's prejudged the outcome of all cases. Therefore, he can't vote anymore. So maybe he checkmated himself. Okay, maybe he basically checkmated himself. Um, uh, yeah, I see a lot of people are saying, bring on the rain, people, bring on the rain. Um, that was one thing. Uh, another thing is the bankless guys that were on the show, they launched a fund. They're launching a, 25, a $35 million fund. So we'll get them to come and talk to us about that. Also, 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 I got to just quickly shout out to one of our sponsors. Um, uh, and that is TAP. So you know that one of our sponsors is TAP Global. Now, these guys are a regulated on-ramp and off-ramp. I think they're, they're available in 47 countries. And this is probably the best place to get on and to get on and off the crypto ecosystem, right? There's a referral link below. If you want to go join them, join them. They've got an amazing app. They've also got a card, like a, a it's the first crypto MasterCard in the world. So they've got a card, and you can basically spend your crypto money using using this card. Okay. So what they've done now is that they've opened the waiting list for the United States. So they haven't been available in the United States. They've been regulated in many other countries, but now they've opened the waiting list for the United States. So if you go below and you're in the US and you click on the link below, you join the waiting list. Now, if you're on that waiting list, you get between $1 and $100 worth of Bitcoin just for joining the waiting list. So, I mean, it sounds like free money to me. Go do it. Um, I think also, I mean, these are the good guys. These guys are regulated. They... They have the card, which is also which is also a great feature. They um, they now going to be available in the US. These are the the proper guys. Um, also, I think they use BitGo to custody their funds. So that, that's that for me is very very good as well. So that's that's these guys. Another thing which I want to mention also give some love to one of our sponsors. But if you're worried about everything that I've spoken about here, and you're worried like if you're holding ETH, and you're worried that the price of ETH is going to come down and not recover. What we'll do, what we'll do, what I can show you, not today, but we will talk about it is you can actually buy put options. And if you want to buy a put option, a put option allows you to, let me just quickly log in. This one, I want to just quickly log in so you can see it. But a put option allows you to, to secure the price at which you sell your ETH. I want to quickly just show you how it goes. So if you are worried about the price of ETH and you want to lock in the price of ETH, then what you can do is you can buy a put option. So let's say today you go, you say, okay, 
in one year's time, on the 29th of December, 2023, I want to be able to sell my ETH the same price as today if ETH goes down. So you go to you go to the 29th of December, 2023, you go to $1,600, and you can see that for around $330, you can protect your downside. So if you say you've got 10 ETH in your portfolio, right? Say you've got 10 ETH in your portfolio, and you're worried that you can't afford for these ETH to go down, you can buy 10 put options, you can pay $325 for a put option. You can buy 10 of them. And then if the price of ETH goes below $1,600, you sell your ETH for $1,600. So you protect your downside, but it costs you $325 to protect your downside. So that's another good use case for options. And Deribit is our options partner. Um, we will keep teaching you guys how to use options. So I, I definitely recommend that, that you buy, that you open account with them. Someone says you don't buy options they as risky as leverage. Pesh, you're wrong. The reason why op options are much safer than leverage because leverage is uncapped. Basically, leverage will go down until your account's liquidated. With options, it's very different. The maximum that you can lose is if ETH goes up in value and you've bought a put for $325, the most you can lose is $325, unlike leverage. So options are much, much, much more um, uh, uh, safer than leverage and you do get a leverage type return. And that's why we, we think that if you wanna be a pro trader, just like you've got exchange accounts, you've got to have a, a Deribit account. All right, lastly, 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 lastly. We did promise you guys that I was gonna give away these Rolexes um, by the end of Feb, but I was sick for two days. Um, now I'm back on our Discord in three hours, exactly three hours from now, we're gonna drop 10 Bybit account numbers 10 bitget account numbers if your account number is one of those account numbers you and you mail us to giveaways at cryptobanter.com i'm going to say it again giveaways at cryptobanter.com and you are the first person to confirm that your account your id your user id number you have to mail us from the email from the specific email that your exchange account is opening to qualify otherwise you do not qualify you will be the winner of the Rolex and we'll send you guys that Rolex. Remember, these Rolexes are valued at $20,000, um each. So just, again, let's just quickly recap where you go because I don't want anybody to make mistakes. It'd be a very expensive mistake if you make it. You go to the video because I don't want anybody. To, you go here. You go to the Discord. The Discord is over here. See, there's the Discord. You join that Discord. Three hours from now, actually, it's in those two hours and 58 minutes from now, we drop the winner into that Discord. You got to tell us you're the winner by emailing giveaways at cryptobanter.com. Uh, in which channel are we going to drop it? Someone's asking Josh, which channel? In the giveaways channel. We're going to be in the giveaway channel. Go to the giveaway channel. If you're not part of the Discord, it's the highest alpha Discord in crypto. It's 40,000 people on our Discord, all sharing alpha on one place. It's free. If you're not there, why are you even in crypto? Okay. Listen, it's been amazing. I may or may not see you guys again tomorrow because me and Fred are going to a festival. We're going to go partying at a festival here. But if news happens overnight or if there's something to talk about, then I may do a show before we go. Okay, so that's what we're going to be doing. So listen, see you guys again tomorrow or on Monday. Until then, I wish for you that you win the Rolex. I'll see you guys on Monday. Until then, trade well, my friends.